Have you signed up for Unfound's other podcast, Unfound Live, yet? Thank you. Mark James Warren Allen II was a 13-year-old from Des Moines, Iowa. He was in the Boy Scouts and delivered newspapers. On the evening of March 29, 1986, the day before Easter, Mark said he was going to a friend's a few blocks away, although Mark never said who the friend was. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Despite having now featured about 270 disappearances, Unfound has only covered a few which can obviously be connected to other disappearances or even other murders. What are they? Jeremy Burt and Aaron Barnard from Boise, Idaho. There are many reasons to believe their cases are connected, with them knowing women who were best friends. Debbie Lowe, she was almost surely murdered by the serial killer Gerard Schaefer on her walk to school on February 29, 1972. Why? Well, Gerard just happened to be friends with her parents. He has been connected to the murder of at least two other girls, and the number goes as high as 26, if you want to believe that. Andrea Bowman. We know her father, Dennis Bowman, killed a woman in 1980. And many people, including myself, believe he killed other women. Most recently, Unfound covered the disappearances of Jackie Cooper and Mary Watkins, who were surely murdered by James Tolliver, a man who almost assuredly killed three other women, including his wife. So the podcast has experience in this area. But statistically, these kinds of cases are just a small percentage of Unfound's overall catalog. Well, with Mark Allen, I challenge you to try to figure out if his disappearance is connected to two boys who went missing just a few years before. Are they three of a kind? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Linus's website, charlieproject.org. Mark Allen was pretty much your typical 13-year-old. He had an older sister and a younger brother. Mark lived with his mother, although he hadn't been in the Des Moines area for that long, having spent some time in Minnesota with his father. He was involved in most things that would have interested boys in the 1980s, and Mark was a good student, although media accounts over the years have documented that he might have had some behavior issues. But what normal 13-year-old boy doesn't? Most importantly, Mark never made any mention that anybody, child or adult, was bothering him before he disappeared. So, on March 29, 1986, the day before Easter, 
The rest of Mark's family went to a nearby amusement park while he stayed at home. Nobody knows what he did during this time. However, when they got home, Mark was there. Within that next hour, Mark stated he would be walking to a friend's house on McKinley Street and that he would be back soon, telling his mother to save him some pizza. Importantly, Mark never stated who the friend was. He was never seen again. Despite there being disappearances of boys like Mark in the preceding years, police were not quick to act. And even when they did, nobody in the neighborhood recalled seeing Mark on the streets that evening or night. In my summation, I will be going over the general facts of two other disappearances of boys from Des Moines in 1982 and 1984. Johnny Gosh and Eugene Martin, respectively, that could be connected to Marks. However, for now and during the interview, I want you to concentrate on these three questions for Mark's case exclusively. Number one, given that Mark seemingly never stated specifically where he was going, should we doubt his story? Number two, If Mark told the truth about going to see a friend on McKinley Street, why is it that 36 years later that friend has never come forward? And number three, could the key to unlocking the mystery of Mark's disappearance be figuring out the identity of a young man who lived under the same roof as Mark and his family at another house during the preceding year? Mark's family believes he was certainly abducted, by someone, and that he did not run off all on his own. The guest for this episode is Mark's younger brother, Chris Allen. Unfound news. I've received a request to speak at another university in November. This will be a new school, and I have to thank a longtime friend from college for facilitating it. I will give you more details once we get closer to that date. I can tell you this. It will be in Ohio. Next, it's the end of the month, so you should be looking for both the next Unfound Now and the November newsletter within the next couple of weeks. That is, if you're subscribed to both. If not, go to the YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button. And for the newsletter, email me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com and I'll put you on the list. Finally, for the seventh straight year for Halloween, I will be dressing up as a podcaster. Where you can find Unfound on these following podcast platforms. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and many others, especially outside the United States. The new podcast, Unfound Live, which comes out on Tuesdays, can also be found on these platforms. Social media sites, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newest one, TikTok. Listener support sites, Patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, 
paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. So happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the younger brother of Mark Allen, Chris Allen. Chris, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Uh, and uh, you're coming to us from Iowa, correct? Yep. Yep. Ankeny, Iowa. Suburb. Right. Fantastic. All right. Let's start here. Uh, you are Mark's younger brother. My understanding is you were 10 years old when he went missing, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Let's just talk about your family uh, in the mid-1980s. How many children? Uh, how many uh, people under the same roof? What, how would you describe uh, the Allen family of the mid-1980s? Um, well, at that particular time, uh, my brother Jamie was living with us. Um, so it was my myself, my mom, uh, my sister Nikki, uh, well, our sister Nikki, okay. and then... Uh, um, my stepfather now, uh, Jerry, he was, uh, kind of not living, but in and out enough that he was there. So, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we all lived there under the same roof and on Emma. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what were the ages? If you can uh, maybe just approximate it. Um, of course, uh, we know what uh, Mark's age was. We know what your age was. What about these other siblings? Uh, how old were they? Uh, well, my sister was, uh, she would have been 16 because uh, there's three years between, you know, uh, Mark and myself and Mark and my older sister. So, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That was, that was the only siblings. Jerry was uh, someone my mom was dating. So, it was just okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Understood. So, uh, this, of course, this time of the year, uh, what was <clears> going on? What do you remember about? Uh, do you remember anything specifically about? 1986 uh, before this all happened what were you doing your mother uh maybe fa uh, your mother working what was the usual kind of like pattern for everybody in the house yeah um so my mom uh she was a bartender and she worked at a couple places there was a bar called post tap and donna's lounge and uh barry's lounge so she would work different days different nights there um my stepdad worked for worked construction so you know, he was doing that during the daytime and was, you know, off on the weekends. Uh, you know, that particular time of year, my, my sister, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, my sister was kind of living with, with her dad, but would come and stay, you know, periodically. Because she lives in Colfax, and that's only like, you know, 35 minutes away from us. Um, so it's, uh, of course, this is early uh, 1986, and then you were coming up on Easter uh, what was going on? I think you said that your mother was a bartender, and I, I guess you were going to school at the time. What grade were you in? What grade was Mark in? Yeah, so at 10, I guess I would have been third grade, and mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what I would have been in. Third yeah. or fourth, he was in, I want to say, sixth or seventh. Okay. So okay. he was going to a school called Brody, and I was going to a school called uh, uh, Wright Elementary, 
It was actually just about three blocks from where we lived. Mm-hmm. But that particular you know, time, I would spend a lot of time with my friends, you know, back in that day. Everybody just walked up and down the street, hung out, rode bikes. Just uh, curfew was when the lights came on. And um, yeah. usually if somebody needed to come home, they'd just go to the door and yell. And uh, you'd hear them like, oh, I go home. Um, yeah. But again, on that particular day, uh, a friend of mine, uh, we went to um, Adventureland. That's an amusement park out here. Spent the day there. Came back home, and we ended up um, playing, you know, hide and seek and, and different things over at his house. He lived literally just across the street from me. So um, we did that until the late night, and um, you know. I didn't find out till later that, you know, my brother had decided to go see somebody, a friend, uh, you know, which I didn't think anything of at the time because that wasn't abnormal for, you know, either one of us to go places. So and, what you're saying is this was a, uh, the day that he disappeared was a Saturday. Yes. Yep. It was okay. a Saturday. All right. And when you talk about, man, this once again, this being that most people probably in the audience have not been to Des Moines and certainly not men maybe to your particular street. But when you say your friends and you went to Adventureland, a lot of friends in that neighborhood, or were they kind of spread out, or were like your friends like two two doors away across the street, and maybe with uh, Mark's friends as well, were they all clustered in one spot or kind of more spread out? Well, my friends were um, were all on my street, which was Emma. So the friend that I spent the day with, because it was just one friend, mm-hmm. um, he literally across the street from me, just like. You'd walk out to the street from my house and, and uh, you know, walk across the street and there's his house. Wow. And then I had a couple of friends that lived, uh, you know, halfway up the street. So, you know, maybe maybe like a five-minute walk mm-hmm. from my house to theirs. Um, he had some friends that lived on that street as well that were like within the five-minute walk up the street. And then, um, you know, I didn't really know his friends too much. I mean... He'd, he'd usually go to their house, not the yeah. not the other way around. Okay. So, but to my knowledge, all of his friends were, you know, just within walking distance, you know, between five and 15 minutes. Okay. So in, in not knowing, once again, your difference of three years and, you know, three years at that age, I mean, there's a world of difference between a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old, you know, even like yeah. from a 14 to a you know, an 11 year old, whereas you start getting late, you know, difference between a 20 year old and 70 year old, of course, the difference maybe isn't as much as far as uh, physicality, but certainly at that time, 13 to 10, big difference. And he's going to a different school. You're going to a different school. Am I then to understand maybe his friends didn't maybe come over to your house that much? Maybe that's one of the reasons that you didn't know them that well. Yeah, no, our friends didn't really come over to our house too much because we just had a small house. Um, we just usually go over there and hang out either in their backyards or in their house. That was yeah. a lot of what, that was a lot of what we did when we hung out back then. We just played outside in the backyard, you know? Yeah, I know. I'm, uh, I think I'm just uh, a few years older than you are. Uh, if you were 10 in 86, I was actually 16 in 86. So I'm about six years older than you are. So yeah, I remember that even though I was in Pennsylvania. So um, that day, of course, you specifically remember that day. Is this Adventureland uh, someplace that you could walk to, or did you need to take a bus, get a ride? No. Our parents would have to take us. It was a good, you know, 30 minutes away. 
Um, so we lived in Des Moines and uh, eventually I was in, is in Altoona. So yeah, this is a good, you know, 20 to 30 minute drive. So my parents had taken, well, my mom had taken us out there and, you know, if I remember correctly, she and my stepdad were there too. So I think it was all of us, you know, except for my brother. Um, I think he'd just been kind of hanging out at home or with his friends or whatever. And then, you know, when we had gotten home is, I don't know, it was about eight o'clock because usually it closed up around eight or nine. So about time it was getting dark. Yeah. Uh, do you remember who, that, do you remember who picked you up that day? Uh, I don't think anybody picked us up. I think we went and spent the day with my mom. My mom oh, was there she, with. Oh, she was yeah. with you uh, at yeah. the Adventureland. Yeah. So I just okay. invited her for this. Great. Fantastic. Okay. And so once again, you're then understanding, I realize you were 10 at the time. So you go with your mother and a friend who then would have been left at the house that day uh, with Mark. Um, at 13 nobody would have been left with him you know nobody. i mean the age where you know okay you were pretty well enough to take care of yourself i mean there wasn't uh there wasn't any concerns or worries okay and so your sister wasn't there and your stepfather uh wasn't there either no i'm pretty sure he was with us oh he was with you adventureland yeah, yeah. okay yeah. great Okay, so you're out there, and I guess you're all expecting then to come home later that day, and Mark would be there, I suppose. Yeah, and he was. He was. Yeah, we came home, like I said, it was probably just after dark, so it would have been 8 or 8.30. And okay. then, like I said, when we got home, that was when I went over to my friend's house across the street. And then that's when uh, somewhere not long after that, he had told my mom he was going to go see a friend. And it asked her to get pizza because we had pizza for dinner because he was going to want to get some, you know, eat some when he got back. Okay. Now I have to ask once again, the, uh, the listeners know, I know you don't know me very well, Chris, but the listeners who've been with Unfound for six years know that uh, I'm not a parent. I don't have any kids. I've never been married. Uh, but of course I was a child at uh, one time. I was 13, of course, uh, at one time. And maybe I just have to ask maybe to represent the audience of parents that it might seem odd that on a Saturday night, you're getting home at 8, 8.30, that after that, after dark in March, that it would seem like, okay, you're, this 13-year-old is going to be, quote unquote, allowed to go walk somewhere after dark on a Saturday night it, what might be considered, you know, even though it is a weekend, a, a late hour. Is there anything, I know you are a parent, anything that you can say about that? Does, did it seem odd at the time? Does it seem odd now? What do you think? I mean, this time and age, after everything I've been through, my mm -hmm. kids don't alone. They never have. But mm -hmm. I'm the brother of an abductee, so right. I think. But back then, there wasn't, there, there wasn't a bunch of talk about abductees i mean people just trusted okay you know i mean sure it was around the time the decade when you know abductions and kidnappings really came to a forefront mm -hmm. so yeah no it wasn't out of the ordinary for kids to do that i mean okay. my friends would walk out of my house or i'd walk over to my friend's house you know after dark nobody thought anything of it okay 
All right. So it's 8.30. Once again, I realize you were 10 years old. You were not like 25 at the time. So some of these uh, memories may be, you know, not ex exact. And of course, there is the trauma that goes along with that. But the way you understand it, it's after dark. And he says that he's going somewhere. We'll get into the more of the specifics of that. But just to ask you some questions, and I realize it's been, you know, 36 years now. Uh, anything that you can remember about the time that Mark ever talked about, you know, thought he was being followed, that anybody like strange kind of came to the house knocking on the door looking for him. Anything in your memory regarding any of that before, of course, he went missing? No, no, no. Okay. You know, the, the only thing that, um, you know, the only person I ever had a thought of is, you know, prior to us living there, uh, I should say, we were always living there, but there was a period of time where my mom was living with a friend of hers, um, and, you know, she'd been in a bad relationship, and, you know, she just wanted somebody to be there with her. Well, she had a younger man living with her, huh. um, and, uh, you know, my, my brother had taken a real liking to him, and they, you know, had spent some time together, and, uh, you know, that would be my only, that could honestly be my only suspicion of somebody that might be involved, because mm -hmm. other friends, he didn't know anybody else other than, you know, my mom and my stepdad, you know? Okay. Pretty... <laughs> Do you know where this uh, guy, we don't need to get into his name, but do you, uh, how, how long before Mark went missing did he move out? And do you know where he went? Uh, well, Mark didn't. The guy didn't move out. We did. Oh, you did. Oh, I see. I got you yeah. moved. All right. And so well, how far away did you end up moving away from him? Um, well, she lived um, probably about three miles from where we lived. Okay. Um, but I mean, it was literally, you know, Emma was off of a street called Southwest Ninth, and literally you could take Southwest Ninth South for about three miles, mm -hmm. and then I, think, uh, you know, right or went or went west for a little ways, and that's where that house was. So it wasn't like it'd been super hard, you know, okay. to get from one to the other. And I mean, who knows? Okay. All right, so you are you were living with this guy at one point. Your mother was friends with him. Then you move out. You move into the house from which... No, we weren't friends with him. No. Oh. My mom was living with her friend. We were living with my mom's friend. Okay. This renting a room in her house. Oh, okay. So, so you're all... So that sounds like a pretty big house there, Chris. Yeah, it was. Okay, that gotcha. Was. All right, so uh, just so we can go through this again. Your mother is living in a house with her friend, and there's another guy living there. A young man, yeah. He was like yeah. 18. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And Mark it, seemed to get along well with this guy. Yeah, but this was prior to us moving back home. This is prior yes. to this. It's two separate houses. Yes, I gotcha. Okay. I gotcha. All right, and then you finally you moved out and got your own house. My mom always had the house. She was only staying with her friend because her friend had been in a bad relationship mm -hmm. and it was an abusive one. So she was scared to be alone. So okay. we weren't, we were just staying with her okay. to keep her company, make sure that she was safe. Okay. And, that was and, who was, and who was living in the house uh, that you eventually were living in when Mark disappeared? That was my mom's house. That was the mm -hmm. house on Emma. All right, and uh, who was living in there while your mother was over with her friend? 
nobody. I mean, we were just staying over there. The house okay. was fine. You know, the house was fine. Nobody was, there wasn't any animals to feed or anything like that. So, you know, I mean, maybe my mom stopped by there periodically to check on things, but we literally just stayed there for like a month. Okay, just a month. And how long then did you move back into the house that already existed, that was empty? You go back in there after your your mother's friend got over this. How long were you in there before Mark disappeared? It wasn't much longer after. I would say, in my mind, it seems like maybe we were there a month, maybe less. Okay. And do you ever know, do you know what happened to this other guy who was also living under that roof? I do not. I do not. I just know that, you know, I can remember my mom talking with my brother and just my mom wasn't a big fan of his and didn't really like the fact that my brother was getting close to him. He was older and because he just had, um, uh, I mean, I didn't think they were necessarily weird, but my mom just said he was, it was just kind of weird for, you know, a younger, older man to be friending a 13 year old, but you know, um, and she didn't really want him, you know, spending any time with him. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be surprising to me. I don't know this for a fact. There's no proof to back it up, but it wouldn't surprise me if they still tried to continue to be friends after we, after we had left and just tried to keep it from my mom. Okay. All right. That's possible. And, but you don't know, uh, do you even remember? We're not going to get into his name, but do you even remember his name? Uh, no, I don't remember his name. I just, um, you know, I told you about that TV program. I don't even, re- I don't even remember completely what it looked like. I just remember he was kind of, he was skinny, had short hair and, um, you know, I want to think maybe he was 19 or 20. Um, and the picture of the, you know, the video of the, that gentleman that they speak of that was in prison. Yeah. It, it just, whenever I see that, it makes me think maybe that was him, but I really don't remember his facial features that well. So. Okay. Uh, what, what about, um, what about being that he was living a, a, under the roof of your mother's friend? Uh, she had to know what his name was. Have, has anybody ever, is she still alive? Anybody talked to her about any of this, about this guy, where he might have gone or anything? I would have thought back then that there would have been conversations, but mm-hmm. the 10-year-old boy, I wasn't really involved in those conversations, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, other you know, did I know his friends and... You know, they knew where his friends lived, and obviously I didn't. You know, there wasn't a lot of questions for me. Okay. All right, we'll probably come back to that. So on this disappearance date, uh, all of you go uh, to this adventure land except for Mark. Do you even uh, – do we have any idea what he might have done that day while all of you were gone? Any Has it ever come up in the last 36 years that anybody, anybody ever came forward and said – Oh yeah, I was over at Mark's house that day. Anything like that? Do we know his actions that day? Not knowledge, no. None. Okay. All right. So then you come home, and shortly after that, uh, Mark says that he's going to go to a friend's house, and it seems to me that the who this friend was, but it was supposed to be on another street. Did he actually name what street at the time? Yeah, it was um, McKinley which was literally like two blocks from where we lived. Mm-hmm. So he would have just, he would have walked 
he would have walked east down our street to Southwest Ninth, and then from there he would have walked from uh, north to south to McKinley, and then from McKinley he would have walked west. Okay. All right. And we'll get back to that as well. So you, uh, of course, he doesn't, of course, he leaves. I'm not sure what time everybody thought that he would be getting back, being that he was already leaving at like 8, 830 in the evening. But when did uh, your family, once again, I realize you're 10 years old, but you're, you know, your mother, whoever else, when did they start getting a little worried that something didn't seem right here? Well, I believe, you know, my mom and my stepdad had gone to bed kind of early, not really thinking about anything, you know. And then when she woke up the next morning and he wasn't there, then she got to be worried. But then she also had thought that, you know, perhaps he just walked over to our grandma's because our grandma was only like, you know, two miles away. And back then it was nothing for kids to walk everywhere. Um, but then when we got there and he wasn't there, then then she really started getting worried. Okay. And, and once again, I realized probably you being 10 years old that the adults probably shielded a lot from you. But what have you learned since then from anybody, from the police, from your mother, uh, from anybody who was maybe an adult or was in a position to know at the time, you know, what they did that Sunday, that Monday, were their searches done? What have you learned about all of that? Uh, to my mom, to my mom, really nothing has been done. I know that my mom called and reported him um, missing and they didn't do anything about it initially. They just said, well, he's got to be missing for 72 hours in order for it to be considered a missing person. So um, I'm sure that, you know, once that had come to be, she called again. Um, I remember there was a, I, I remember there was an article in the paper, um, maybe a week later talking about it. But to my knowledge, there was never anything on the news. Excuse me. There was nothing. Um, you know, I mean, a few years prior, when Johnny Gosh went missing, he was just, well, like literally one of the first boys to be put on the back of a milk carton. Yep. Because A, a and E is big here in Iowa. And they had the big, uh, you know, manufacturing place there, and uh, you know, but that that was never the case for my brother. Mm. And my mom just, I just remember her always being mad and complaining about the police and. You know, they weren't doing anything, they weren't taking anything serious, you know, they weren't they weren't going to do any kind of searches, um, you know, the TV stations wouldn't talk to my mom, so there was really, like, no support to try and spread anything. Um, she did talk to, like, the newspaper, and that's, you know, why there was a newspaper article, but that was it. Nobody else would listen. Okay. Now, to be clear, if the, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm sure many people, you know, in the lead up to this episode, uh, you know, because, of course, before they see us or hear us, I will have posted links to, uh, of course, the Charlie Project name is, you know, everywhere else where uh, Mark's disappearance has been documented but, documented, but there's something we really need to be clear on. When he was leaving that night, of course, this is Saturday night, the day before Easter, he never really said where he was going. He never said I was going to Jane Doe's house or John Smith's house. The way you, it's been explained to you is he just said, I'm going to a friend's and this friend lives over on McKinley Street. I mean, that's the only thing I recall. I mean, he might have mm -hmm. given my specific name, but I don't, I don't remember that. Okay. 
And please. I was just saying back then it wasn't a big thing. Just, you know, I'm just going to go see one of my friends and okay, see you in a little bit. Again, there wasn't a lot of questioning because there weren't issues like this shit. Yeah. You know, okay. I mean, I can't, can't pretend to know what would go through a parent's right. mind back then because my mind's always went back to this. And that's why my kids were never allowed to walk anywhere, not to school, yeah. uh, not around the block by themselves. Okay. Because I've experienced it. Is your, I have to ask, uh, Chris, is your mother still alive? Uh, she is, but, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's not, she's not all there anymore. Okay. All right. Uh, but so I have to ask in the years since, has she ever told you once again, if you can say, if you feel comfortable saying, I realize it would be private conversations between you and your mother. Has she ever said to you, I thought when, um, Mark left that night or that evening to go over to a friend's house, quote unquote, did she ever say, I thought she was going, he was going to John Smith's house. Did she ever any idea of who that friend would have been in her mind of where he was going? We never really had any conversations about it. You know, okay. she never, this is kind of a subject that she, I wouldn't say avoided, but didn't bring it up. And, you know, mm -hmm. it was always so short and brief. Okay. As far as, well, um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, do you believe that at the time in 1986, once again, understanding that you were 10 years old, do you believe that she was able to give the police any idea of at least when they got involved after so many days? And we know how police like to blow these things off, but um, did she, was she ever, do you know if she ever gave any names to them at all? uh again you know we didn't really talk about it much so no i don't know what name she would have okay. given them okay if any okay very very good so in uh the process of when it finally did start you know kind of ramping up after these three days in which the police didn't want to do anything which is common even to this day of course we didn't have amber alerts back at the time um that wasn't really until the 1990s and um do you um, know if, uh, have you ever heard of any neighbors or any drivers, passerbys ever seeing, you know, any, um, I should say, sightings, eyewitnesses of Mark walking anywhere that night? Of course, it's dark, so it's going to be a lot less likely. But any news that you've ever heard over the years about anybody actually seeing him walking that night? No, nobody's ever come forth with any information. Okay. All right. Now, let's move on to this. And of course, you've already, so we have this situation. You guys get home. We're not sure what, you know, Mark did that day. Very well, you know, to just the theorize a little bit. Very well could be that he had plans that he told a friend of his, hey, as soon as my sibling, uh, as soon as uh, Chris gets home and my uh, mother gets home, you know, I'll be go over to your house just so I can tell them where I'm going. He might have had some plans made up earlier in the day while you were gone. Certainly possible, or it could be something else. But let's move on to this, being that you um, mentioned it already. Of course, Johnny Gosh, who went missing in 1982 in Des Moines, and also in 1984, Eugene Martin. So, of course, Mark's disappearance is 1986. To your knowledge, and we're not going to get into all the specifics of their disappearances, although we might do a little comparing and contrasting. Um, over the years, 
uh, to your knowledge, any connections ever made between these two boys who are still missing and Marks, to your to your knowledge? Any connections at all? Uh, nothing factual, anyways. Okay. All right. Um, and But I understand that Eugene, although Johnny Gosh's disappearance, although it's technically the Des Moines area, not very near to your house, whereas Eugene Martin seemingly went missing close to your house. Is that true? Yeah, actually in the same block area. Wow. And did your family know about his going missing two years before that? Do you have any ideas? No, I mean... I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about Johnny Gosh. I didn't watch the news regularly, but mm -hmm. you know, the Eugene Gosh, from everything that I've watched and lo looked at, was treated the same way my brother's was. You know, they they wouldn't report. They wouldn't allow it to be considered a missing persons. A runaway is what they they right. always said. Right, right. That's what the police Johnny Gosh too. I mean, it yeah. was Noreen Gosh. That, that that got all the uh, all the coverage and everything. It was her, you know, putting all that together. Otherwise, her situation would have been no different from ours. Okay. Now, in talking to you, though, there could be two possible connections between three of all of them. I wouldn't say it's scientific, but uh, I understand. Of course, Johnny and Eugene. If anybody were to look them up. They went missing both when they were supposed to be doing their paper routes earlier in the morning. Did Mark ever have a paper route? Yeah, he did. He did. Did he have it at the time of his disappearance? Or was, was this something like a year or two prior? Do you even know? He had it when he was, when he disappeared. He did. Okay. But we yeah. should be clear. He did not go missing during his paper route. Correct. Okay. Now I also understand though, that both of them were involved in Boy Scouts. Was Mark involved in the Boy Scouts? Yes, he was. And was he involved in that at the time of uh, his disappearance? Yes. Okay. All right. So maybe there is something there, not, you know, once again, not scientific, um, of course, a lot of boys, at least at the time in the 1980s, were involved in newspaper routes. I, I was not, but I lived kind of out in the country where that really wasn't a thing. Um, but certainly in a, in a town like Des Moines, that might be uh, something, you know, that, that connects all of them or it's just a coincidence. Um, regarding being that Eugene Martin seemingly went close, uh, missing close to where you lived at the time and where Mark was last seen. Any connection? Did they go to the same school? Do you know anything about that? I didn't know anything about Eugene Martin until years later. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until when you started seeing that there was actual, you know, news coverings of the three boys. And that wasn't until I was well done with school that yeah. I started learning the other boys prior to my brother. Okay. So, yeah, no. Didn't even know him. Didn't even know he was missing. Right. Okay. It, it, now that you do know about it, was he close? Did he live close enough that that uh, Mark and Eugene would have maybe gone to the same school? Do you even know? I mean, it would make sense if he mm -hmm. actually lived versus what paper route he had, because there, you know, I had had a paper route too. Um, not long after all this and 
they wouldn't necessarily give you a route that was like right in your neighborhood. You would sometimes yeah. have to drive, you know, with your parents a few miles. Right. You know, right. A lot of, a lot of I guess, kids and. Right. I guess what we're trying to, I'm trying to do here is that being that we have these boys who are all still missing, it is a, an odd occurrence. It's somewhat rare. It's all in the same city. Uh, a couple hours, a couple years separating them. Just trying to find some connections here while I'm doing this interview, you know, to try to narrow it down, you know, all that, are they all connected? Is there some connection between them or is this all just some, you know, horrible coincidence that this all happened in the Des Moines in the 1980s? It seems to me they do have some connections, uh, you know, given the newspaper route, given that they were in Boy Scouts, you know, maybe that might lead somewhere. Um, just going back to Mark's trip uh, that that day. So he would have been walking. He was, how long would this walk have been? How In time, how long going over to McKinley Street? Um, 10, maybe 15 minutes to go, you know, to go down our street, to go over a couple streets, and then to come up a street. Yeah, 10, 15 minutes. Okay. And, you know, and, it wasn't uncommon for us boys back then to just cut through people's yards. So, I mean, if he did that, he literally could have been there in like five minutes. Right. Right. And to your knowledge, being that he said he was going over to a friend's house, to your knowledge, once again, I'm going to keep saying this, just to remind all the listeners that you were only 10 at the time. You're not responsible for your brother. Do you know if any of the parents, anybody over on McKinley Street ever called your house saying, hey, we thought that Mark was supposed to be coming over this evening, but he never made it. Any calls like that ever happened? No, but again, back in that day, we didn't have internet. You know, we didn't, we just had regular telephones at the house. Mm -hmm. So there was no, um, you know, no way of being able to get it out there other than the television, which again, there was no coverage done on my brother, not until, you know, years later. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even have known that he was gone or that, you know, he was missing. You know, I, I, part. I, I know that I'm being very technical with this. I just want to make sure I understand it and the audience understands it. He says he was going to a friend's house, but that friend's that friend never called when Mark didn't show up. I don't know. I wasn't home. I spent the night at a friend's house. There's a lot of details from that time mm -hmm. that it doesn't get privileged information about. So, okay. you know that I've told you is the extent of what I know from back then, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, many years later and after losing my own son, I guess it's got a lot to do with why I just want to find out what happened right. to him, one way, whether he was taken or whatever, whatever it is. I just want to know. I want closure. I'd like to be able to get it before my mom passes away someday. But Okay. Let's move on to this. Now, being that, uh, of course, Noreen Gosh uh, has, Johnny Gosh's mother has been a, a forefront, uh, and I'm not trying to draw attention away, but if we're to believe that all of these three are connected, and I'm certainly open to the idea of that, you know, she has told a couple of different stories uh, over the years. Not She hasn't changed stories, but a couple of significant stories that she's told uh, since her son went missing in 1982. Are you aware of the story in which she claimed that Johnny came to visit her uh, with a guy or a couple different guys in which Johnny claimed that he had been, you know, taken away and he's not allowed to leave this group? Are you aware of that story? 
Yeah, it was just one guy. It wasn't. It wasn't a multitude. Mm-hmm. It was in the same same situation as he was. Yeah, there, she would have no reason to lie about that. So mm-hmm. you know, nothing to gain. Yeah, have you ever? Uh, if you can say, I'm not saying you have to. Have you ever spoken to Johnny's mother about this one on one? About her seeing him? No. Uh, yeah. Yes. No. No. Never spoke to her directly about that. Okay. And you're also, but that's uh, nothing that has happened like that for Mark's where there's any belief that Mark appeared as an adult somewhere and visited anybody. Not to my knowledge that I've ever learned. Okay. And there's also this other story. Once again, I, maybe you're aware of it, but the listeners might not be given that these are all might be connected that there was, um, that Johnny's mother came across this dollar bill that said, I am alive. And then it was written in cursive signature, like Johnny, gosh, you're aware of that story as well. I am. Okay. And never talked to her about that either. No. Okay. No. Okay. Let's move on to this. Uh, over the last 36 years, whoops, whoops. Over the last 36 years, um, you know, and a lot of times, and I'll give an example so you and the listeners know what I'm talking about, especially when it comes to children who probably were abducted. A lot of adult names come out. For example, Jacob Wetterling. It's not a disappearance I've covered, but I know a lot about it since it's solved now that over the years, there were multiple names made, you know, broadcast to the public. This person might have done it. This person might have done it. Uh, Jacob Wetterling, very much like uh, Mark, very much like Johnny, very much like Eugene, uh, who went missing. But have any names ever been mentioned regarding that have made public or you've heard regarding Mark's disappearance or any of those other disappearances? Any, you know, suspects, I guess we might call them. No, no, No. nothing. Nothing's ever been coming. But again, there's never been any investigation done. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. Has ever been down Okay. Uh, Chris, uh, have you ever tried to file a what they call a Freedom of Information Act request with the police? Have you ever tried to get all the paperwork? I have not. Okay. It's probably something we can talk about this uh, after we're done. It's something probably that might be worth doing because if you'd like to get the paperwork and see what was done in 1986 and everything forward. Here's something that I've learned and the listeners know this is that I covered the disappearance of a girl who went missing in Marathon, Florida in 1993. Her name is Jennifer Perry. Uh, Marathon, Florida is down near Key West. So it's not on the mainland. It's out there on route one going out to Key West. She went missing 29 years ago. Unfortunately, she is still missing. But her family at the time thought in 1993 that the police didn't do anything and they weren't, hadn't done anything. I ended up filing that request and I ended up getting 240 pages of work that the police did. Now, unfortunately, she's still missing. I have an idea of what happened, but it turned out that the police just weren't talking about the work that they had been doing for years and years and years. So this might want, might be something that you might want to think about doing. You just can't get the paperwork from the police. There's a certain way you have to have to go through all of this. And I'll talk to you about that after uh, we're done here. But it's just something to keep in mind. Just because the police don't look like they're not doing anything doesn't mean they aren't doing anything. Um, you've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but 
you know, after, of course, you're 10 years old, you're still in the name, same neighborhood, Mark is missing. How did this affect your childhood after that? Honestly, I don't. I mean, other than creating problems, I mean, I just, I just had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, behavioral issues. Some that were already done before that, and this was just kind of like the uh, icing on the cake. I was just really defiant and really, uh, I didn't have any respect for authority. Um, so that would be the, be the biggest uh, impact I had on my life. Mm hmm. How did your, uh, of course, you've talked about your mother and, and my perception is that you and your mother really have not talked about this a lot over the years. Is that true? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And would you say that uh, after Mark went missing that she was much more protective of you? You know, there was no more going out, you know, uh, at eight o'clock at night after it was dark, things like that. Would you say, say things changed or, or what? Um, it wasn't too many years after that. We ended up moving to a different spot, but I mean, uh, uh, she kind of re regressed maybe. I mean, she just, um, she had a lot of difficulty dealing with the, the scenario and she just probably didn't deal with it in the most positive way. So, you know, mm -hmm. you would think that one would you know be more protective right. of their kids, but I think it was just too much for her to deal with. It was, okay. She never recovered. Okay. What about your sister who was 16? You said you were separated by three years. What about her? She ended up moving out of state um, not long after that and getting married not long after that. So mm -hmm. I didn't see her after that either. Mm -hmm. How did this uh, disappearance of Mark affect her? Um. You know, the few times we talked about it, she just, you know, couldn't believe that it happened. And it just seemed like the, it was just like one of those things where people just didn't want to really deal with it or talk about it or, you mm -hmm. know, it just maybe that was because my mom didn't talk about it very much. But, you know, uh, yeah, it just didn't get talked about. I can remember having a conversation with my sister about it, but, you know, um, she didn't have any more knowledge than than what I did, mm -hmm. you know, because she would literally spend most of her time with her dad in Colfax and maybe would come down, you know, every other week or every other weekend or something, you know, she was going to school. So it wasn't like we'd see her all the time. You know, she and my brother weren't as close. I mean, I was close to my sister, I was close to my brother, but they weren't really that close. Oh, okay. All right. So I guess what we're also saying is, of course, 16, you're going to maybe be a lot more aware of the world than you would have been at 10. But even she could not really pinpoint who Mark was going to see that evening because the two of them weren't, weren't that close. Right. And she wasn't even there. She wasn't. Uh, she, didn't, it, right. she didn't know his friends. And, and uh, you know, I mean, heck, I don't even remember. I don't even know my sister's friends. I didn't know his friends that well. You know, it just. I don't know. We just didn't. Okay. Did any of um, Mark's friends later, not maybe when you were 10, but 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, ever come to you and, or even maybe as you became an adult and said, you know, here's what I think happened, or here's where I think 
uh, Mark was going that evening. Any of them ever come forward, you know, even just to say, you know, we're really sorry that it happened. Anything like that? Just to say sorry it happened or, you know, maybe I'd be amongst some friends because I had friends who had older siblings that were friends with my brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hanging out with them and, you know, periodically somebody like, hey, has ever found your brother? You ever figure out what happened? No, we never did. And it was like, well, that sucks. And that would be about the extent of the conversation. Okay. You know, came forth was like, you know, this happened or that happened. You know, it was just always, you know, the same response. Like, that's crazy. This is so crazy to believe that happened. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And we still have no idea what friend lived on McKinley Street. No, I don't. Okay. All right. How does this affect you uh, as an adult, as a, as a parent? Now, I know that you are a parent. Uh, how has this affected your uh, parenting style? Uh, you know, like I said, I know you have at least two children. Uh, how has this affected you? And, you know, knowing that your you know, brother walked off, never came back, uh, do you think this has affected you as a parent? Oh, it definitely has affected me. Um, you know, my oldest is 20 now and my youngest is 13. but um, my kids were never, never allowed to walk to school. They were never allowed to ride their bikes to school. They were never allowed to even walk around the neighborhood unless they had a friend with them. You know, I talked to them at young ages about what to do if somebody ever approached them. You know, if somebody starts asking you to help them, you know, find a dog or they try to lure you with some candies or something like that. I said, you know, you just, you just start screaming. You start screaming and you run away. Yeah. You know, but, you know there it's just i was always afraid that was my biggest fear growing up is that one of my kids would get taken and uh they weren't even allowed to play in the front yard they had to be in the back unless there was unless there was a couple people you know they were riding bikes or something but yeah other than that they were in the backyard or we took them to their friend's house or we picked up their friends or if they wanted to go somewhere we took them Mm -hmm. okay do yeah. you have a? Yeah, and I made sure to put that back so I can put. Please say that again, please. I said that I always made sure they always knew what could potentially happen to them, and I let them know that once you're, if that ever happened, chances are we'd never find you again. Because nine times out of ten, you're taken. It's already over. You know. Um, right. So they were afraid. They were afraid to. I I did. I wouldn't say I wanted to scare the death out of them. But I didn't want it to be naive and think that it couldn't happen to them because that's what a lot of kids think. Right. Okay. Do you have a Facebook page or website set up for Mark's disappearance? If so, uh, why don't you tell the listeners and viewers about it right now? No, I don't have a Facebook set up for him. Okay. Um, I have, but I don't have one for my brother. Okay. You might want to think about doing that. Uh, raise, yeah. certainly raise the profile of it. I know it's a little more work and you never know what kind of people are going to get on there. Sometimes you get some trolls and things, but it's certainly in addition to now this going to be made public, uh, doing this interview, um, you know, on YouTube and everywhere else that, you know, that certainly would raise the profile and, you know, get some people talking, especially if you can concentrate on making sure that people in the Des Moines area, you know, re- you know, can remind all of them that, you know, Mark Allen is still missing, you know, so it's something to think about totally your choice, but I know 
I would say 90% of the disappearances that I cover usually have some Facebook page or group attached to it. Just something to think about. Well, I've, uh, I've reached out to a bunch of different missing person pages. Mm -hmm. um, and typically, I, I become groups, become a member of the groups that have large yeah. following. Yeah. And friend requests. And then I've just, I've shared his story on there, you know, copied a link from the cold case file and from the, uh, the different news articles and even, you know, the, the movie who took Johnny, you know, yeah. posting those. a lot of people, a lot of people saw that movie back when it came out Yeah, and don't even mom was in that. So, right. Uh, okay. so yeah, that's, that's how I came across you. That's how yeah, I got yeah, it is. Of course. Great. Okay. Uh, Chris, any final words before we complete this interview? Just that I, I appreciate you trying to help and spread the, spread the word. And, um, I'm open to any thoughts and ideas that, you know, like you mentioned that about the, go to the police and getting that. I, yeah, you know, I don't have, yeah, I don't have knowledge. So it's very appreciative when, when suggestions like that are made. Um, so yeah, I'm just 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 grateful for any and all help that I'm getting. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And that was my October 15th, 2022 interview with Chris Allen, younger brother of Mark Allen. I thank him for appearing on both audio and video for this episode. I did a supplemental map analysis video for Mark's disappearance. I show you where he lived at the time, along with where McKinley Street is. I also show where Johnny Gosh and Eugene Martin were when they disappeared. Speaking of Johnny and Eugene, this is where I will start my summation. I'm going to read at least partially the pages for both on my friend Megan Linus's website, charlieproject.org, so we can start to compare and contrast their disappearances to Mark's. But please, if you'd like, go to their pages on that website to read the entire biographies for both Johnny and Eugene. Johnny's is first. John was last seen while conducting his newspaper route in West Des Moines, Iowa, on September 5th, 1982. He was accompanied by his dachshund Gretchen. His father normally accompanied John on his route. The day before his disappearance, John asked to be allowed to do his route alone, but his parents wouldn't allow it. He apparently got up at 5.45 a.m., and left the house without waking his father as he was supposed to do. Witnesses told authorities that John was seen speaking to a male suspect on 42nd Street and Marquardt Lane while delivering his newspapers. The man was driving a blue two-tone Ford Fairmont, and John was apparently giving him directions. At 7 a.m., customers on John's route called his home, saying their newspapers hadn't been delivered. His parents thought John might have overslept, but when they checked his room, they realized he was gone. Gretchen returned to the family's residence, but John had vanished. 
His wagon with a paper still inside was found two blocks from his home. Now, Eugene's. Eugene was last seen between 5.30 and 6 a.m. on August 12, 1984, in his hometown of Des Moines, Iowa. He was preparing to start delivering his morning newspaper route at the time. He normally delivered the papers with his older stepbrother, but his stepbrother was not with him that day. Witnesses saw Eugene talking to a man between 5 and 5.15 a.m. at Southwest 12th Street and Highview Drive. The man is described as clean-cut, and he appeared to be in his 30s. He has never been identified. They were reportedly engaged in friendly conversation. Eugene's route manager called his family at approximately 7.15 a.m. to report that Eugene's newspaper sack had not been retrieved from the corner of Southwest 14th and Highview Streets. The manager called the family back 15 minutes later, around 7.30 a.m., and reported that the papers were still unclaimed. Eugene's father then called the authorities... Eugene has not been seen or heard from again. And that's the end of those two biographies. At least for the actual facts of the days of their disappearances and the demographics, Johnny's and Eugene's are very similar. In fact, I really don't know realistically how they could be more similar. The problem that does not mean they are connected. It very well could be that Eugene's was actually a copycat of Johnny's from two years before, done by someone who didn't even know Johnny or his kidnapper. There are no facts to rule this out. There's another problem, and it would seem to be a bigger one. What transpired after these two boys went missing has been vastly different. For Eugene, basically nothing. No sightings, no persons of interest, no rumors. In fact, as far as I can tell, Eugene's case has been cold since the day he disappeared. But for Johnny, it's been the exact opposite. In 1985, so three years after Johnny went missing, a dollar bill found in Sioux City, Iowa, had the words, I am alive on it. And the message was signed, Johnny Gosh. Analysts determined that this was Johnny's signature. In 1989, John Benaki, a man with a multiple personality disorder and a history of sexually assaulting children, claimed he had been a part of the pedophile ring that kidnapped Johnny. And Benaki seemingly had information that only someone who actually had met Johnny would know, at least according to Johnny's mother. Then in 1997, Johnny's mother claimed he came to see her. He was with another man, and they spoke for over an hour. Johnny said he had been abducted into a pedophile ring, but had escaped, and now he was in hiding. And I could go on. So... Although Eugene's and Johnny's disappearances are factually similar, everything that happened after is completely different. 
in fact, and to now bring Mark into this summation, what I'm saying is although Eugene's is like Johnny's in regards to the circumstances, and Mark's seems to be the odd one out, in regards to the aftermaths, Eugene's and Mark's are very similar, with really nothing going on, and Johnny's is the odd one out. To go deeper into this, if these three are really connected, and if we are to believe Noreen Gosh, Johnny's mother, then why haven't Eugene and Mark gone to see their mothers? Why was Johnny able to find a way to write his name on a dollar bill, but Eugene and Mark were not? Why did this Banaki guy see Johnny, but not Eugene and Mark? Hard to understand. Ultimately, this brings us back to Mark Allen, the missing boy for this episode. Yes, he was in Boy Scouts and newspaper delivery, just like Eugene and Johnny. But then, if Mark was abducted by the same person who took the other two, why didn't that kidnapper get Mark while he was delivering papers, like what seemed to have happened with Eugene and Johnny? Likewise, if Mark's disappearance is instead connected to him being a Boy Scout like Eugene and Johnny, would not have this been pretty easy to solve back in the 1980s? You would think. But what also stumps me is many times in disappearances like this involving children, suspects' names are often made public when the police are investigating. For example, Jacob Wetterling's case or Chiron Horman, Madeline McCann. But for Johnny, Eugene, and Mark, there's been nothing. Not one person who is seen as a person of interest has ever been officially named. And no, to be honest, I really don't think John Benaki qualifies. Strange indeed. Maybe more than anything... This is what makes these boys three of a kind. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm at Denzel. And you've just finished this episode of Unfound.